Hey guys, welcome back. Tap That Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Walters. Let's just jump into this one. This is Kathy and Steven from the Audubon Society and Preston from Ren House talking about this new beer that just put out, a lager. This thing is fantastic and a great story behind it too. So let's tap into U9. Before we get into um, the, the project that we're going to be talking about here, we got to congratulate Preston. Dude, gold medal. Great yeah. American. It was for what? The best hazy in all of the land, I think, is the title of the award, right? <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. That, that's awesome. fantastic. Dude, how, uh, how did. So, um, was it, I think, in April of 2019, you were on Plate and Pour? Uh, and w- during the filming, they caught when you got the text that you won um, a different award, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was much more subdued when I was on PBS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I was at home, I, uh, I, I like broke things and, and I, I got real into it. I was excited. Uh, were you like chest bumping <laughs> and just... Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were. Luke and Drew were over and we were just going crazy. It was fun. Dude, that is insane. I mean, because that is it's 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 by far the most the most uh, submissions, like three some three hundred and something. Uh, actually, almost four hundred, right? Wasn't it three seventy or yeah, something, something crazy. It was up there. Yeah, and for you guys to win, everybody wants to win the best hazy right now, and you guys <laughs> won it, man. <laughs> so I know. It, I mean, it's so surreal. I don't know. Um, you know. It is what it is. We're, we're very fortunate. I think uh, uh, just to be in that category is, is a big enough honor um, and yeah. to get the gold that, you know, whether it's, it's luck or skill or whatever it is, we're definitely grateful to have gotten there. Um, I mean, there, there's no bigger honor in our industry, so we're pretty happy over here. Hell yeah. Has it I think changed? it was luck. <laughs> it was that luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, looking, looking at the dude, I love the flip up sunglasses. That's like, 1990s oh, like get rid of major league outleader right there <laughs> i love it uh so has, has it changed things for you guys i mean did, are people just hammering your doors down wanting, wanting spellbinder now at this point or is it pretty steady yeah so we're we're selling out of our core ipa which isn't something we've we've really had to to deal with in the past so um we're, we're producing that uh quite a bit um and uh so, I mean, it, it's exciting, but more than anything, the, the, the reason we're, we love, you know, uh, GABF and what it stands for and all that, among other things, is we've gotten, you know, hundreds of new customers that had never heard of us, but they read about it in the paper or something like that. When you're able to get an award as, as lucrative as that one, um, people that otherwise wouldn't be interested in your brand um, learn about it, and, and we've gotten to know a lot more people because of it. So, um you know, that, that, that's the side of it that, that's really rewarding and long-term for us. Was that a planned segue into into uh, Stephen and Kathy? Because that was perfect, man, <laughs> right? Because for, for you guys, that's that's a big a big draw to it is, right? People, Renhouse can help get that message out, right, to a, to a different audience. Is, is that why you approach them? Stephen? Um. Kinda. I mean, we've been, Ren House was one of our first Western River Brewers Council members um, back like two and a half years ago now. And we've just been waiting for the the right opportunity to do a, a collaborative brew with them and tell the right story. 
Um, and we wanted something that was gonna really take advantage of Rent House's beautiful can artwork um, and be something that was like really relevant to Phoenix, not just Arizona, but Phoenix and the surrounding valley. Um, so we've been waiting for it and this was just the right one. And that's your wife, Preston, right? Your wife does the, the can art? Yeah, she does. She's very yeah. talented. Yeah. Always hear great things about, like, I mean, that's a that's a, a draw right there, right? Put something beautiful in the can and people are like, hell yeah, right? And then you come across, oh, you yeah. come, come back with some great beer in it. That, that helps too. <laughs> so uh, Whatever well, it takes. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, let's let's meet uh, uh, Stephen. Uh, Stephen and Kathy are both from the Audubon Southwest, Southwest Audubon Society, right? Yep. That's right. Yeah. yeah, we um, we recently merged our Arizona and our New Mexico offices, the National okay. Audubon. Um, so instead of Arizona and New Mexico, we're now Audubon Southwest. Um, I'm our outreach biologist, and Kathy? I'm the community science manager. And uh, Stephen was on an episode, episode 178. Uh, sometimes I number them, sometimes I don't. That one I numbered, so 178, easy reference. <laughs> but uh, we had a great conversation. So I had to do some research on you, Kathy, and um, you're a badass. You know your shit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow, that's so sweet of you to say. Well, it's, it's, I thought it was ironic, first of all, that we're doing a podcast about owls, and uh, your last name is Wise. It's like, like what? Yeah, and people ask me, they'll say, you know, is that your real last name? And it is. Yeah, I thought of, the first thing I thought of was were chips. I don't know if you, if you guys know about the potato chips back east called Wise Potato Chips. That's the first thing I thought of. And I'm like, oh, like, why is like the chips? I'm like, oh, no shit. Owls. That's, that takes me a minute to get places sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so you've been doing this for a long time, Kathy, right? I have. Yeah. Are you saying I'm old? Is that what you're saying? No, no. I'm saying okay. you're, good, you good. are seasoned, experienced. And uh, uh. Well, I love birds, <laughs> especially owls. So, yeah. How did that start? Like, are you from, are you originally from? the Southwest? I'm from California and I okay. actually got a job when I was 16 at a car wash. Um, that was kind of unusual in that as people were getting their cars washed, they could go into this room that was filled with birds. Um, and so I started working with parrots and macaws and all kinds of birds like that in the bird room. Um, and I thought I wanted to be a zoologist. I knew I wanted to work with animals, but that car wash first job um, kind of, words for me kind of connect like you without was that a draw to the job where you're like oh i'll get to work with birds or was like oh what there's birds here like, no <laughs> honestly i didn't even know about the bird room i was just washing cars and i was like a hard worker okay you know i got yeah. 15 and a half or something and they were like hey you're a hard worker we need some help in the bird room do you want to and i'm like oh yeah sure yeah um and little did I know that it was a path to a bird-related career. Yeah. Well, where did it go from there? Like, did you did you then uh, go to bird school? Was there a bird school? I did. I did go to okay. bird school. I went, okay. to, I went to UC Davis. Okay. Um, and I selected that school because they had an avian science major, which okay. is unusual. So, so, yeah, that's what I did. And I've worked for federal agencies state agencies um and now i'm here at, at audubon yeah. yeah so are you are you based in arizona now at this point 
I am at this moment, but um, you know, now that we have a larger footprint, I might be moving north a little bit. Maybe we'll see. Gotcha. It's all it's all great area out here. I, I love it. Like I'm from Ohio, and when I moved here, I'm like, I don't. I'm not going to go anywhere else. Like this is. I love it. Just the the diversity of it all. Uh, but so so you you how did you and Steve and me like how did you guys start working together uh, on the projects that you guys are, are doing at this point? Um, I was at the time an intern with the Arizona Game and Fish Department. And here at the Rio Salado Audubon Center down in South Phoenix, there is a wetland pond that houses a couple of endangered species of fish. Um, And I was given a call to to come stock some fish in the Audubon Center ponds. And I was like, what? There's there's an Audubon office in Arizona? I had no idea. Um, And I came down here. Kathy was the staff on hand to help stock the fish. And she let me know. I guess she let my manager at the time know a couple of days later that there was a position open at Audubon for someone that both had some fieldwork experience and could work with the public. Um, so I applied and I've been here ever since and we've been working together ever since. Yeah. And in this particular project, you said owls in particular are uh, fascinating to you, Kathy, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Why? Like what is, owls. especially oh, what? Burrowing owls. Okay. Which is that, that's what downtown, that's, that is this project, right? Downtown that owls. Is. Yep. Um, so why burrowing owls? I, I did a little research and they're very fascinating. Uh, but from, from an expert, what is it that draws you to them? Um, well, have you ever seen a burrowing owl, Eric? Not in person, just, just okay. pictures. Well, we'll have to change that. Yes. Owls, they are like no other owl. Um, you think of an owl and you think they're up at night, they live in the trees, they're solitary. Burrowing owls are diurnal, so they're active during the day. They like to live in groups. Um, so when you're observing them during the day, it's not uncommon to see them interact with each other. They do all kinds of like chattering and kind of dancing stuff. And um, so that's really fascinating. And they're the only raptor in the world that lives and nests underground. I didn't so, even know owls were raptors. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. Raptors. Because mm-hmm. I was reading, when I was reading something uh, on your bio page, it was like raptors. I'm thinking like giant raptors. I'm like, you know, I think velociraptor, but that's just because I'm, you know, that's, <laughs> that's where my knowledge is, is limited. But, um, but so um, you said they're the only one that lives underground. Right. And nests underground. Yeah. So they have fairly large families, lots of eggs, the babies, the eggs hatch underground and they live underground for about two weeks in total darkness. Um, And then they come out and they're adorable and um, we really love them, but they are in trouble right now. Um, And when I get to take you out and show you one, you'll see that they look like little potatoes with legs. They're brown. And they blend right in with their surroundings. Um, So it's very easy for developers to miss them um, because they live on the ground. So the bulldozers come in and they don't always see the elves. Um, And the other issue is that because they live underground and they don't dig their own burrows, um, they've suffered because there's fewer prairie dogs, there's fewer ground squirrels. um, And so with downtown owls uh, and our our work with Wild at Heart, 
we as people have become those burrowing mammals. We're building the burrows for the owls. Um, and fortunately, the owls are pretty resilient. They're very um, willing to take on an adaptable, willing to take on new uh, dwellings. So, yeah. Yeah, and they're, uh, you said they're small, right? They're, they're just little. Yeah, they're small. They're about the size of a can of soda yeah. like with long legs. They are. And they weigh about the same as a stick of butter. So they're really, you look at them and you think they're going to be heavier, but they're not. They have yeah. bones and they're, you know, they fly. And so um, they're really cool. And are they all around, like all around the Southwest? Like where, where are they located? They're, typically? Well, they're focused mainly on the plains, on areas that are really open, open okay. country. And they have been found from, you know, Mexico. They're only found in the West, down to, down to Mexico, all the way up into Canada at one time in areas that are really open. Um, they get into trouble if there's too much vegetation where aerial predators like hawks and falcons can hide. Okay. Um, yeah, so most of open country. Mm-hmm. And I saw that they lure food in. Like, did they lure the food to them by, like, putting, like, dung on the ground, I guess? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know where I'm getting my information, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, people did think that for a while. And okay. kind of, like, conflicting data on why they, what they're doing is decorating. So they okay. decorate the entrance of the borough. Um, and our namesake for the beer that Brent House is brewing is U9. That's his band number. And he's kind of infamous if you will for his decorations um which seem to attract food um instead it just seems to like attract the ladies is what he's trying to do um so they'll they'll collect dung they'll collect all kinds of stuff u9 has been able to find like the ornamental corn we're not really sure where it's coming from but like the you know thanksgiving corn you hang up for a decoration whatever he finds it he brings it so his his uh, burrow entrance is like no one else's. That's his um, style. Yeah, it's style. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe tri- maybe some stuff will come to it to eat it, but I think mostly it's for decoration. Yeah, yeah, I like that better actually. I think that's much cooler. <laughs> right. So, what specifically is the the downtown house project? Like, what is what is the the objective there in, in the process? Well, Steve and I both work for Audubon, and we're, our mission is bird conservation. And burrowing owls are kind of like the gateway drug into conservation because they're so cute. Um, and we can get a lot of people that wouldn't otherwise be, you know, you say bird conservation. What does that even mean? But if you say to someone, hey, come on out and help us help these birds, these burrowing owls, they're, they're all over it. And so in 2013, we started the Downtown Owl Project. Um, in order to engage people, just ordinary folks, um, in work that was going to be really meaningful and impactful for this little bird that needs our help. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much how it started. And what was interesting when we first started the project, I would ask people at the beginning of our work days, how many of you have heard of Burling House before? And, like, less than half of the hands would go up. And so it was really eye-opening that, hey, people should know about these really cool animals that 
we're sharing space with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then what does a work day look like? Like, so you're, so at this, like you guys are, um, you're trying to uh, attract volunteers, right? You're looking, looking for volunteers to kind of get them, um, like you said, get their, I guess, get their feet wet in the conservation side of things. Right, right. Get their feet dusty yeah, in this dusty. case. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we work with a, a very good partner, Wild at Heart, and they're a local rehab center for birds. And Wild at Heart has found a way to safely trap the birds and move them from development sites. So they can move the birds out of harm's way, but then the birds are stuck in an aviary. And what our side of the project is, is to gather volunteers get them mobilized to go out and on site, we typically will have a backhoe do the pre-work. And then we, Wild at Heart has developed a little system of building an artificial burrow. Um, and it's a series of steps that we can easily teach people. Um, we can get burrows built in about four hours. Um, and that's the first step in the process. Um, so with COVID, we've had to put everything on hold um, and meanwhile, the owls are kind of like stacking up like cordwood at Wild at Heart. I think they're up to like 165 or something. Um, so it's become pretty urgent that we get back out there and start doing even just small, really socially distanced work days so that we can start rehoming these birds. And where does that start? Like, where do, like if someone's listening right now, like what is the, what is the first step for them uh, to, to do that? They can email me. Um, we also are about to release a bit.ly where people can just go on. It's actually on the can, uh, the U9 uh, can. Okay. Yeah, so they can just go there. They can sign up. Um, and that way we can reach out when we're able to conduct these, these work days again. Gotcha. And so you can kind of, so people are, are kind of get on that notification list of like, hey, I'm ready. And then you come out and say, hey, here's, here's our next step. Right, right. And um, yeah, okay. Yeah. And our, our, okay. um, U9, this project that we are working on right now, it's in partnership with the Arizona Game and Fish Department. Um, and we've been able to get okay. them to put in burrows out at Powers Butte. So um, the nice thing about Powers Butte, it's right next to the Gila River, there's lots of agricultural land. And there's lots of potential for more boroughs. So we're going to be out there probably a lot, hopefully. Yeah, gotcha. Well, and so the beer is, is going to be coming out soon, Preston. Do you have, do you have a date on, on a release of the, the beer itself? Um, well, we'll be canning it uh, next week. Um, we, we tend to let okay. our lager sit for a few days um, and do their like tertiary lagering and kind of condition. Um, so we, we want to join the release, um, and I'll be talking with them later this uh, this week, today, I suppose, um, to find the right day to do that. But we want to make sure that, uh, you know, the whole point of the beer was to um, elicit support from um, the city and the state, uh, people to go out and help in this project. So we're going to find the right way and right time to release it um, in order to get that uh, motivation to people. But it'll be in the next week or two, I'm sure. Um, so it, it, it's imminent and it's the first of two we don't we're so focused on this one we haven't even really started even talking about the second one as far as recipe and all that but the idea is to do a two-stage collab showing the 
you know, the beginning motivation behind this project and then the success of it when we get the support that we know we're going to get from everyone, um, you know, as a thank you to everyone and to continue that dialogue because, you know, uh, we as Phoenicians live in this beautiful ecosystem and we overlook it too at the same time. So uh, it, this will be a really great way to, to showcase. Yeah, um, you know, we have a, a work day coming up um, not this weekend, but the following weekend on the 21st, that'll be our first weekend or first work day of kind of this fall season. Um, and Kathy mentioned okay. the, the building of the boroughs is the first part of the project. Um, so just like the beers coming in two parts, the work comes in two parts. Also, um, the second step is releasing the birds. So we need volunteers again when we go out and actually put the birds in the boroughs. Um, when we finish installing them, we put a plastic cap on top, we close them off so nothing else moves in. Um, and then when we're ready to release birds, there's a release tent that's built that keeps the birds in an area kind of around a cluster of burrows for about 30 days. Um, and that's to help build some site fidelity so you don't put the owls just like on the ground and they go off and end up in harm's way. And um, it gives them some time to get used to the site and see the lay of the land and, and be ready. Um, so yeah, we'll have this first one coming out kind of in coordination with the, the fall work in the next couple of weeks and come springtime, we'll have number two. Nice. And, and this is, I mean, it's, you said 2013 is when it started, Kathy? The downtown yeah, so house project? 2013 is yeah. when Audubon got involved and we were focused on okay. um, putting burrows in at Rio Salado. Um, and we filled Rio Salado with burrows. And then as the project continued and there was enough support, we moved into different parts of the valley. Gotcha. And so this will continue like this after this year. This is a, this is a continuing thing. Knock on wood. As needed, hopefully. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, how did you guys land on the type of beer? Like was, was there, um, and, and I, this is a dumb question, Preston. I'm not even going to ask you this. Like I say, was there any thought behind it? <laughs> Obviously there always is. Um, why, uh, why lager specifically did you guys choose for this, for this first one? Well, when they first came down for the, um, you know, meetings are hard in COVID obviously. So a lot of it was online and they were able to come down on a day where we could, uh, uh safely interact and, um, and drink some beer together and talk about the motivation behind the project. And, um, you know, a, a big IPA or a barrel aged beer or something like that, although it'd be cool, you know, to, to, to make a beer like that, that a lager is more of like a, a sessionable beer. And so we want it to be in line with the work we're going to do, um, you know, where you can be outside, have a couple of these beers and get some work done uh, similar to this project we're doing. We're uh, intending, I don't know if it's legal or not. We're intending to have the beer there um, to drink. So it's, it's a, a, you know, a good time to premiere that beer is for the people who are coming out to help us work. Um, and after that, we just sat down and drank some of our lagers together. Um, and we all kind of agreed upon a style. Um, and then that was further accentuated by using local ingredients, um, our grains all from Sanagua and uh, grain R&D so that we can kind of, you know, keep the community aspect of it alive. Yeah, and that, that recipe was intentional too, because this brew is uh, one of our releases through the Western Rivers Brewers Council, which is all focused on Arizona's water resources. Um, 
and the burrowing owl, you know, it's, it's so tied to agriculture um, in a lot of the places that we work. And it's not alone in that, um, you know, as we've lost grasslands and wetlands throughout the West in a lot of places, agriculture has been kind of a surrogate habitat. Um, and as our water resources kind of come into question in terms of reliability, um, the agricultural uses of our land also come into question. Um, so tying it back to Sanagua and Sonora white wheat, um, some of the kind of water forward agricultural products that are going on in the state was, was key. Um, you know, you brought up something, right? It made me think of something. So, uh, you know, with, with something like, you know, you're, you're, uh, focusing on a specific, uh, you know, the burrowing owl, you know, you, you get the people that say, Oh, I shouldn't care about an owl. Type, right. I mean, first of all, like you said, they're, they're cute, they're adorable, they're animals like we should, but there's, they, like you were saying that they're fit into the ecosystem, Stephen. Right. I mean, there's the, every piece is, is has that important role, right? Like what, what does, where does the burrowing owl fit in, in that aspect? Gonna default to the owl expert for this one. Well, um, they, <laughs> yeah, they eat all the things you don't want. So, you know, when a farmer has a burrowing owl or bur a burrowing owl colony near their farm, it's a good thing because it takes care of a lot of the pests. So small rodents, insects, for us at Rio, they like to eat scorpions, um, scorpions, centipedes, stuff like that. Um, so they're a very, very important part of the whole chain. Definitely not stuff I wouldn't be around, scorpions and centipedes, like, ugh, like either of them. <laughs> See? Uh, so that, you like growing else yeah. already. I do. I already did, and now I just like it even more. So it just it keeps it keeps uh, digging in more and more. Uh, but um, that's that's really fascinating. So so is there are there farms that will deliberately put them there? Right, like you guys are doing relocations. Can a farm say, "Hey, we request a relocation at our farm. We need some burrowing house." That doesn't happen as much as we wished that it did. Okay. Um, it does happen. Farmers will say hey, we have this extra land. But what it means to them is that land is out of production. You know, once you have burrowing owls out there, you're not going to disc it up and plant on it. It's going to be for burrowing owls. And um, one thing that we've discovered with our work with Wild at Heart is when a farmer says, hey, you can do the burrows, we get volunteers out that can go out one time, but they can't go back and see the, the owls because it's private property. And that was different at Rio. At Rio Salado, it's a park, so people were able to come back and, you know, bring their families and be like, hey, I built that burrow, and look, there's an owl there. Um, so that was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, I turn away that. any farmers are listening oh. right now <laughs> that are interested. You say yes, what? absolutely. Cut that and put that right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. This is... This is um, I love just all the ways, and Stephen, this is how you and I connected, was how Arizona beer and, and Arizona food and beverage, um, but I feel like specifically beers being so connected to these conservation efforts in Arizona. It's, it's I, I don't know, I love it. I, I can talk all day about it. <laughs> it it's really been, it, it's been something. You know, I, I had a feeling that we were going to get some traction in the brewing scene, but I didn't think we would have as much as we do. Um, 
I thought there would be a lot of convincing people involved, but like, you know, we approached Preston with this and he was like, Oh yeah. Like I love the Audubon society. Like I, I think you said yeah. it was your, your grandma that used to get the magazine and like, it, Oh yeah. He still brings it to me on Sundays. I, uh, <laughs> I, I love the Audubon society and, and the history behind it and what they're doing now. I think they've, uh, you know, they've been around a while and they do a uh, universally well-respected organization that, that uh, is science first, but they also, like this beer, are very good at being engaging um, and getting people that otherwise wouldn't care to care. Um, and I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll do a quarterly beer with them if they want. We'll save some birds with beer if it works. So whatever it takes. <laughs> so Preston, why do you think that is like why do you think it is like Stephen was saying like that it, it, he thought it was going to take more convincing um you know I've, I've experienced the same thing with with arizona craft beer uh is is that open-mindedness and that that willingness to i don't know i think you know what i'm saying <laughs> well i think craft beer uh has become a community thing uh in that in so much as that um, um, you know, our customers, our friends, our clients, they all feel a part of our community because they help make us what we are. Um, we wouldn't exist without them. And so the entire ethos of craft brewing is community driven. And so if a program like Audubon wants to get involved, that's, you know, it's not so much paying it forward. It's, it's just being a, a member of that same community just from a different angle. So um, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to be part of the, the Phoenix and Arizona and world community in, in a way. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're a production brewery that's very fortunate that we are known for uh, uh, multiple releases every week. Like, you know, we have a couple core beers, but other than that, we get to do cool stuff and experiment week to week uh, with new recipes. So why not do one that has a great message behind it, get to hang out with them? Uh, you know, I mean, we got to go down and see the owls. My, my wife and kids just lost their mind. It was so cool. Um, at the end of the day, we were going to brew a beer anyways. So let's use that to send a message. Um, and we're really honored they, they asked us to be a part of it because uh, it's a message we truly believe in. And um, like they said, the burring owl is a, is a great one because of how cute it is. I mean, it's very, it's as simple as that. It's really cute. I was telling my friend, I was doing this thing with owls and I was like, do you want to come build some habitats? He's like, no, it's too far. What kind? I said, oh, burring owl. He goes, that's my favorite owl. When is it? I'm going. Like, <laughs> humans are really dumb with that stuff. You know, like, there's a barn owl. He's not driving an hour in the middle of the night to get there um, uh, first thing in the morning. But for burring owl, he's willing to do it. And then hopefully, you know, that ex extends to future birds or, or animals or whatever it takes. But, um, in the same sense that, you know, the burring owl sweetened the bird message, maybe our beer can help sweeten it even one more uh, level and get people involved. So, and we're, we're sure it will. We're, we're very fortunate to have a great community uh, back in Renhouse. Excellent. I don't think you could answer that any better. Nice work, buddy. <laughs> he just gets up and leaves now. He's like, yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much. Um, is there anything else that you want to want to? I know we're going to get together uh, soon for the um, for the bird beer garden down at Arizona Wilderness uh, in a couple of weeks, maybe next week. I, I, I live and die by my calendar, so I'll, I'll confirm that. <laughs> but. Um, Anything else you guys want to share right now coming up? Um, 
I just wanted to say thank yeah. you, Eric, and thank you, Preston. It's yeah. nice to meet you. Um, and this is just such a wonderful partnership and means so much. So yeah. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It's, it's anybody my pleasure. listening, it's, um, you know, we, we're focused on a lot more birds than just burrowing owls. So if, if you want to help be part of the, the solution there, um, az.audubon.org is where to go. Excellent. Excellent. And one last thing, Stephen, you, you told me something that uh, really blew my mind and I tell everybody, hopefully I'm telling them correctly, but uh, there are certain, you were telling me there are certain um, plants that you can plant in your yard to attract certain types of birds. Uh, Cause I have a friend who, loves birds right across the street. And I told her that, is that true? That's absolutely true. The best way All right, to cool. plant. <laughs> um, and we'll be diving into that in our next, our next recording here. We'll be talking a little bit okay. about the garden. We put at Arizona wilderness brewing company in downtown Phoenix, um, yeah. which is a, a great demonstration on how you can, you can put your landscape to use for, for birds and wildlife. And we put that, that garden in and we got a, a call from them not even a week later that they had their first hummingbird at the brewery. So wow. it works. Um, Plantsforbirds.audubon.org will give you all sorts of stuff. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks guys. I'll let you get back to your day. Have a good weekend. And uh, thanks we'll everyone. Soon. And on. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye. See ya.